There were rumors of it on the street corners, in the taverns, in the fields, in people's homes, and probably most prevalent on the battlefield. Could the day be coming? Could it actually be here? After nearly a decade of wondering, a year or so of fighting, on July 2nd, 1776, the last drop of ink was transferred from pen to paper, and on July 4th, the Continental Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence. Thirteen American colonies united together and declared themselves free from British oppression. We remember these words from that declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and happiness sounds good, but hold on just a minute. Although these 56 delegates, speaking on behalf of their people from their state, declared themselves independent on July 4th, 1776, liberty, actual liberty, was still far away. In fact, the fight for independence would continue for another five years or so until the British surrendered in Yorktown, 1781. And then a formal treaty wasn't even finally established until fall of 83. So, with those facts, do you think we should cancel the parade (laughs) and the fireworks and simply put them off to the fall? Well, probably not a good idea to do today. I mean, a lot of work would go to waste, I'm sure. But there's a good reason to keep celebrating on July 4th. Because sometimes the declaration of a thing and its actualization occur at two different times. It was an ordinary Sabbath in ancient Israel. Families are gathering to go to the synagogue to worship. Those who were in attendance, however, would soon discover that this Sabbath day would be anything but ordinary. Jesus was no stranger to the people of Nazareth. It was his hometown. Even so, the people there had begun already to hear from nearby cities of what Jesus had been up to while he was away. He had disciples following him from town to town. And he had become the subject of many rumors and whisperings, even around Nazareth, around the dinner table, out in the fields. But today, Jesus was coming to their synagogue to read and interpret God's word for them. The teachings and the proclamations that God had given to Moses, he would read. And through his prophets to his people, Jesus would come and and share the commandments that God taught and what he expected his people to do. Jesus would come and share the promises of what God would do for them. And so Jesus comes to synagogue, he gets up to speak, and he's handed the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Jesus unrolls the scroll, searching for the place that he wanted to read from. Well, nowadays we have handy books with easy-to-turn pages, right? You can use your thumb, apply a little pressure, flip to the right page that you want to read from. Well, Jesus chose to read from Isaiah chapter 61. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah. I hope he started unrolling from the back, (laughs) or they would have been here for a while. Regardless, Jesus finds the place he wants to read from and begins. 
He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I wonder how the people of Nazareth received those words when they heard them. Sure, Jesus, these are good words. They're God's words through the prophet Isaiah. We've heard them before. But what do they mean for us? Jesus rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, and sits down. And all the eyes of the people gathered there are are fixed on him. What is Jesus going to say? What will the rabbi, the teacher, say? What is his interpretation? Is God now going to set us free from the Roman occupation? Is the Messiah poised and ready to liberate us from an oppressive hand? Jesus opens his mouth and begins to speak. He says, today, as you hear these words spoken, they are fulfilled. But wait a minute. In that moment, as Jesus speaks those words, nothing tremendous happened. There was no battle. There was no thunder or lightning. There were no blind people, as far as we can read, who received sight or oppressed people who were liberated. But remember, sometimes the proclamation of a thing and its actualization happen at a different time. What about you? How do you hear Jesus' words when he says that they are fulfilled? In what ways are we poor or captive or blind? In what ways are we oppressed and seeking liberty? Well, one thing that holds people captive today is sickness or disease. Let me tell you about my friend Gabby. She was a bright light in a dark room. There wasn't a whole bunch that could turn her frown upside down. She was cheerful every time you saw her, and she was gracious to boot. In fact, after the diagnosis came that she had stage four lung cancer, it it hardly seemed as if she skipped a beat. Unfortunately, we found out there wasn't too much to be done in form of treatment. With each passing day, she grew tired and increasingly weak. Her spirits were high, but she was captive to a disease that ended up taking her earthly life. Sometimes we are blind by what we cannot or refuse to see. Let me tell you of another friend, Bob. He was raised Jewish. Uh, He went to Hebrew school, synagogue on Saturday. He ate kosher. (laughs) He held to the strict tenets of his religion and believed that salvation was wrapped up in his obedience to the law that he was so rigorously holding on to. Still, Bob got the sense that he was just going through the motions or that there was something he was missing. His strict adherence to his religion left him empty. He was blind to the truth, which is another form of captivity. What holds you captive? Maybe it's sickness or disease. Maybe it was or still is another religion or a struggle with a worldview. Maybe it's an addiction to substances, sex, or success. Maybe you are captive to comparison. You look out and you see others and you either think, well, I've got it better than them, 
which is pride, or you see others and think, I'll never be as good as them, which leads to shame. There are countless other ways in which we are held in captivity in any way in which we seek meaning, purpose, or fulfillment, apart from God and his gifts, are going to leave us in bondage and wanting more. Any pursuit of life, liberty, or happiness that that does not keep God central is going to hold us in captivity. But those words that Jesus spoke all those years ago, when he spoke of liberty and sight and good news, Those words are for you, just as it was for those back then. They are true for you, just as much as it was for them. Jesus proclaimed in Nazareth on that day that the words he had spoken from God were fulfilled. Now, we can look at a calendar and realize that Jesus was still a few years from his crucifixion and resurrection. But remember, sometimes the declaration of a thing and its actualization happen at different times. And still, it doesn't change the fact that it's true. We're separated in time from these events in Christ's life by nearly 2,000 years, but that time span doesn't change the fact that it's true. In fact, it's way closer than you think. When you hear Jesus, through his word, proclaim freedom, forgiveness, and salvation. When you remember that you are baptized into his death and resurrection, when you eat and drink the body and blood of Christ, the very means by which we are set free from all that keeps us captive and apart from God, when you hear these words, they become true. Christ proclaims freedom and he delivers it. Gabby heard those words, and she believed. And even though her body was weakened by cancer, it couldn't destroy her spirit. Her faith in her Savior, Jesus, was strong. Her smile didn't fade. In fact, it grew brighter as she believed and held to the promise Christ made that death is not the end, but that one day he would return and give her a glorious body, free from cancer. Sometimes the declaration of a thing and its actualization happen at different times. Bob was held captive for about 30 years, not having the full truth about Christ. But then he heard about Jesus and all he had done for him. He didn't know why. He had heard about Jesus before, but this time was different. Sometimes the declaration of a thing and its actualization happen at different times. And now, as Bob heard the truth about Jesus, it was as if for the first time, Bob could see how Jesus had perfectly fulfilled all the laws he had given his life to obey. How Jesus had given his life as a perfect sacrifice for his sins. Bob, upon hearing the words of Jesus, was liberated from the law and set free by the grace of God, so that he could live in the freedom Christ gives. No matter what holds you captive, no matter what sin or temptations you're dealing with, Jesus proclaims you are free. Are you being held captive as a result of your own sin? Do shame and guilt weigh you down? 
Jesus declares you forgiven and free by his righteous death. Are you held captive by circumstances outside of your control? Are you dealing with loss or sickness or pain or depression? And those chains might just be too heavy to bear. But if so, Christ proclaims you are free. Whether you are released from those things now, later, or, or not at all, Christ's resurrection is the proclamation that one day all of us will live forever without sin, fear, pain, doubt, worry, loss, or death. Eternal life and freedom is yours now, even though we don't have it fully yet. As Christians, we are a now-but-not-yet people. Forgiveness, freedom, eternal life, these are all yours now in Christ, even though we don't have them fully actualized yet. And so our perpetual hope is in Christ and his promise to one day return and make all things new. And until he does, we thank God that we have certain freedoms. We have freedoms in this country. With those freedoms, we can come temptations to seek life, liberty, and pursue happiness in ways that are not of God. And sometimes we will falter and fall into sinful ways. But when you do, hear Christ proclaim freedom once again. We thank God that we have certain freedoms in this country. We are free to worship. We are free to praise Him. We are free to love and serve others. We are free to rejoice for all He has done. Speaking of, my family and I are grateful for the time we've had to freely worship, praise, serve, and rejoice with you, to share in the ministry that God has given. I thank God that I've been able to, to preach the good news about Jesus Christ to you and anyone who's come to this place. That's what I believe I've been called to do, no matter where I go. And that's what you're called to do as well no matter where you are or what your vocation is. It may not be giving a sermon, but it just might be in lending a helping hand. And it's true, sometimes, most times in fact, we rarely get to see the results of our work. Remember, sometimes the declaration of a thing and its actualization happen at different times. But we trust in God who is faithful whose word is true, whose word makes things true. And as Christ has proclaimed you free, you are free. That's the good news we get to share with the world. We rejoice that Christ has set us free from all that would hold us back from him. By his death and resurrection and promise to return, we have life, liberty, and can pursue happiness found in the love God has for us. Even as we love and serve others in his most precious name. Amen.